invitation. Sing into our ears, O Spirit, the holy word of life. Tell us who we are and to whom we belong, so that we may live with gratitude for all that you have done. Amen. The first reading this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9, the great commandment. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the ordinances, that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy, so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and his commandments that I am commanding you, so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children, and talk about them at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as you sign your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks, Thanks be to God.
Well, the gospel text for today is from Matthew, the 28th chapter, verses 16 through 21. Listen for the word of God. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where, which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The key, the key verse. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen. This last Christmas, our daughter gifted Don and I with something called StoryWorth. Maybe some of you have heard about it. Uh, we don't actually have any tangible gift yet because you see this StoryWorth is the gift of a book of our life stories. So the trick is that we get to spend this whole year until this next Christmas writing our stories. And we get to answer 52 questions that arrive like, kind of like homework assignments <laughs> each and every week in the, our inbox, our email inbox. I have to confess, I am woefully behind on this assignment. I think I might flunk the course. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I've got a lot of catching up to do. Don, I'll let you speak for yourself. Oh, I have to catch up as well, but I want to tell you a secret. I'm a way ahead of her. <laughs> it's an interesting assignment, uh, even fun at times, but it stirs up a lot of emotion. Now, those of you who go back to your stories when you were young, and then you tell them over and over again, you realize that there's been a lot of progress that's taken place. And there are lots of memories that have stirred up. Now, I haven't thought about for years. Now, we get busy every day. That's probably why I don't have it done. We get busy every day, and we, we think that, well, writing these stories and telling our stories, it's just a waste of time. But there's so much to learn from telling our story retelling our story to each other, to our children. Think about the Bible. Now, there are all kinds of different kinds of stories, parables, history, but still stories we retell over and over again in worship. Every Sunday, in Sunday school and here. We tell the birth stories at Christmas, right? We tell the story of Christ's death and resurrection at Easter. And there, of course, are there other stories of how God has worked in the lives of people, like Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Leah and Moses and the disciples, and so many, many more. There are stories of how people lived and worshipped, how they fell in love, how they fell, fell flat on their faces, details about laws and history of the migration and development of a nation. Now, 
As many of you know, Joe spent the summer preaching on the stories of Genesis. And each time I had listened to the sermon, I discovered something new. I really did. I found something new about the story, about me, about God. Even though I heard these stories so many times, and I have preached on most of them, these stories are important to all of us. Our scripture texts this morning are both about the task of retelling our faith stories and teaching them to others. In the verses that we heard from Matthew, these are the last verses of the book of Matthew. Jesus, the, the Easter story has happened. Jesus is, has been resurrected and has spent time with his disciples, but he's saying goodbye for the last time. And he gives them this great commission, telling them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And our Old Testament text that Dana read to us spells out steps, things that we are supposed to do in order to pass on our faith to one another. Now this is the commandment that the Lord your God charged me to teach you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away. When you lie down and when you rise, Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Well, this Sunday uh, is the beginning of our church program gear. Labor Day is over. It was a good day, I hope, for all of you. And we return from our summer schedules. Educational classes have begun, and we, they, and we return to the normal programming of the church. But being a part of this community is one of the ways that we keep these words from Deuteronomy in our hearts and in our minds. Here on Sundays, we recite and re-retell the biblical stories. It's from them that we learn who we are, where we're going, how to live with each other. We, we learn how to live in this world, how to set priorities for our complicated lives. But the story of God's work doesn't end with the last chapter or the last verse of the Bible or the last verse of the book of Revelation because God's work continues in us and through us. So we need to tell our own stories to one another because in the telling of them, we notice where God's been at work in our lives. We notice as we hear the stories of others how God has been at, the, at work through others. Uh, Don, your family was always telling stories. Oh, for sure. You need to understand that I grew up in rural Missouri in the 50s. And, and all of us were descendants of German immigrants that came over to Missouri in the 1850s. Now, my grandfather spoke German mostly. And when he did speak English, it was very broken. He, you could hardly understand him. 
Now, our entertainment for most of us was to gather at someone's home, usually for a birthday party. And, and I mean, we're talking about the whole community here. And we would sit and we would eat and we would visit. And if, if I was lucky, there would be other kids there. There was no TV, no, nothing to watch except listen to these folks tell their story. As a youngster, I gotta admit, it was boring. Oh my gosh. Because they told the same stories every time, over and over again. These stories recounted the, the migration of, of these families from the same northwest area of Germany. They retold the storms that, had sur that they survived and the hardships overcome. And often they told about, well, is it going to rain enough this year? Are we going to have a good crop? Those stories were told over and over again. Now, occasionally, well, often actually, there was an argument. And the argument usually was about genealogy, genealogy of the families. Now, not so different than Matthew's account of the lineage of Jesus. Now, my best friend and I, well, we used to mimic them. And it was only years, years, I began to realize how important these stories were for me. How these stories knit us together. How they spoke of the survival and hardships and the healing of our bodies, our minds, our souls. How that these stories were the very foundation of my hope, my faith, as much as the biblical verses I memorized for Sunday school. One of the things that I have noticed in the retelling of my stories for this StoryWorth project is how the stories has, have changed over the years. Now, not the facts so much, although my memory might rearrange some of those facts, but what the stories mean. Many times, the endings of the stories have evolved and changed. Stories I once told about injustice and anger and hurt now go on to tell a story of insight or strength or compassion. And stories about a painful period in my life and now include the opportunities that opened and emerged, uh, opened new doors for me right there in the midst of that pain. Uh, for a couple of years, I went to the National Storytelling Festival in Jonesboro, Tennessee. Oh my gosh, was that ever great. And one of the favorite storytellers there, it still is, Donald Davis. And on reaching a trip to Virginia, we uh, listened to some of his stories and I found that I found on YouTube in which he tells this one story, the moving story about his father's leg that was wounded. And the story goes, that he was badly injured and when he's dead, when he was only about six years old, his grandfather searched for a, for a doctor to help his son. In that time, he only had transportation, was horseback. And so he finally went to the train to go to Atlanta and found a doctor there. And Davis's dad recovered, but he became known to the whole community all of his life as Cripple Joe and live with the limp and limitations that was physically, that caused a lot of problems for him. Now Davis, Davis's grandmother knew this injury 
and how it was traumatic for her son. And she knew that he grieved his limitations. So she had him retell the story whenever he could about what happened over and over again. At first, the story, of course, was about his pain, his anger, his loss, his regret. But gradually, there were additions to the story about people who helped him, the doctors who saved his life, things that he couldn't do, things that he didn't want to do, like work on the farm. So he started to study. He went on to college. And he told how these stories created opportunities that changed his life and brought blessings and joy. Our own stories, too, witness to God's work in and around and through us. Our stories, the stories of others, they become the way that we pass on to one another what is important about life and faith. Don's told you about his favorite storyteller. One of my favorite storytellers is the humorous author and columnist Irma Bombeck. Uh, Irma Bombeck uh, wrote columns for the newspapers from 1965 to just a few days before her death in 1996. Um, one of my favorite articles that I cut out is now yellowed and tattered, but it speaks about the powerful truth about how our values for caring about one another are passed from one generation to another. Now, in this particular column, she tries to answer a question that has haunted me and maybe many of you. When do parents stop worrying about their children? <laughs> she writes, no question has been asked more or answered less. Is there a magic cutoff period when offspring become accountable for their own actions? Is there a wonderful moment when parents be can become detached, uh, spectators in the lives of their children and shrug, it's their life, and feel nothing? When I was in my 20s, I stood in a hospital corridor waiting for the doctors to put a few stitches in my son's head, and I asked, when do you stop worrying? And a nurse with authority said, when they get out of the accident-prone stage. <laughs> my mother smiled faintly and said nothing. When I was in my 30s, I sat in a little chair in a classroom and heard how one of my children talked incessantly, disrupted class, and was headed for a career-making license place. <laughs> As if to read my mind, the teacher said, don't worry, they all go through this stage and then you can sit back and enjoy them. My mother listened and said nothing. When I was in my 40s, I spent a lifetime waiting for the phone to ring, the cars to come home, the front door to open. A friend said, they're trying to find themselves. In a few years, you can stop worrying, they'll be adults. By the time I was 50, I was sick and tired of being vulnerable. I was still worried about my children, but there was a new wrinkle. There was nothing I could do about it. 
Yet I continue to anguish in their failure and be tormented by their frustrations and absorbed in their disappointments. My friends said that when my kids got married, I could stop worrying and live my own life. And I wanted to believe that, but I was haunted by my mother's wan smile and her occasional, you look pale, are you all right? Call me when you get home. Can it be that parents are sentenced to a lifetime of worry? Concern is concern for one another, handed down like a torch to blaze the trail of human frailties and the fears of the unknown. Is concern a curse, or is it a virtue that elevates us to the highest form of life? One of my children became quite irritable recently when he said, where were you? I have been calling for three days and no one answered. I was worried sick. I smiled a wan smile. The torch has been passed. <laughs> the torch has been passed. It's been passed to you and me. The torch is in the process of being passed. This torch passing is messy and complicated. It is tender and loving. It's how we stay connected to one another as families, as people of faith, as communities. This torch passing, oh, it happens in the Bible stories we tell. It happens in the way we live our everyday lives, the stories our actions tell, and in the stories that we retell. But let's always keep telling our stories. So may we too love the Lord God with all our heart and with all our might. May we keep these words in our heart so they course through our veins with each and every heartbeat. May we talk about them when we're coming and when we're going, when we're resting and when we're racing through our day's activity. May we write them on our hands so we never forget them. So may we too love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. May this be so for you and for me. Amen. <laughs>